Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello. Welcome to the Hostile Work Environment podcast. We're back for our second normal regular episode, even though it's like our eighth episode or something. Uh, my name is Mark Alifans. I am here with Kate Bischoff, as always. Say hello, Kate. Hello, everybody. We are going to continue a theme here today. And I, unlike sometimes, I, I've got a little inside information this time. But we're going to continue our theme of working through famous cases, famous yes. employment law cases. Yes, and this is one of my favorite cases because it has such far-reaching effects, even though it was designed to not have far-reaching effects. Don't so you love it when that happens? Yes. So this is the story of Joe. Joe, Joe. Joe worked as a rustabout, which is a position cleaning oil rig. So he worked on an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and, you know, as a rust about, that's kind of a rough place. So this is a classic, quote unquote, locker room talk case involving Joe. So, so not Donald. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> no. So, <Okay. laughs> so Joe was working with four people. One, John. John was a crane operator on, on the rig. He had supervisory responsibilities, but it's not clear that John was actually Joe's supervisor. Okay. Uh, another person he worked with was Don, uh, Danny. Danny also had supervisory responsibilities as a driller. He was. It's not clear that he is Joe's supervisor, okay? Okay. And there's one other guy named Brandon who gets involved in some of the abhorrent behavior that occurs in Joe. Is that foreshadowing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just awful. a little. I mean, yeah, I guess awful. I guess that's like every employment case, really. Well, I don't know. I think this is really pretty bad. Really it's pretty bad. bad. Yeah. So Joe's job, as he described it at one time, is it's about the lowest you can get on the totem pole. So he's already, you know, low on the totem pole. He's going to get teased on that low position, right? So these guys start calling him baby and termite. Termite, referring to the lowness of his job. And they start engaging in behavior that's called bagging, where they grab his crotch, okay? Grab his genital area. They're, they grab his bust on multiple occasions. And they say things to him like, here, boy, you know you can blink this with that lovely F word, or you, you're going to give it to me. So they start engaging in some pretty bad Sexually charged humiliation. At least that's how the Supreme Court ultimately called it. Sexually charged and, humiliation. And just to understand the setting here, they are out on a rig, and there's like, it, uh, and there's not a lot of other people around. Nope, nope. There's only eight people on the rig at any one time, and so you work like a week on, and then you're a week off. And so when it's week on, all of this stuff happens, including multiple sexual assaults, threats of rape multiple times, and on a couple occasions. John, now remember, John has supervisory authority, whips his dick out and puts it on Joe. Once on the back of Joe's neck and or head, 
and then another on Joe's arm while the other two are restraining. So standard okay. workplace <laughs> behavior here. Oh, so gross, right? Um, <laughs> really? So gross. And then <laughs> the, yes, there was this song here. Is there, because they're on the rig for solid week, there are showers on the rig. And the guys come up behind Joe, push him against the wall, and attempt to insert a bar of soap up his butt. What? Yes, right? Like, oh my God. Oh no. Okay. Not not your typical workplace. No, not your typical. Well, I definitely hope not. Okay, so <laughs> he tells, so Joe gets off oh. the rig. He calls the supervisor and says, tells about this behavior. And guess what his supervisor Oh, I'm going to guess because this is a, an employment law case. Be like, so deal with it. They pick on me too. Oh, <laughs> oh, they're looking for so kind of the the empathy mm -hmm. shared experience. Yep, he said, and they, you know, they've even called me names um, and derogatory terms referencing homosexuality here. So he, so Joe's really upset. He goes back to the rig, and all of these guys are still there. So he decides to quit. Okay, I think this is an effective constructive discharge case, right? Because his uh, his sure. fear is that he's going to be sexually assaulted again, and when he gets his termination slip that the, the separation that he's quitting, he asks that it actually says volunteer le voluntarily left due to sexual harassment and verbal abuse. That's what he asks for the reason to be. Okay, so all great. Yeah. So well documented. Yeah. So the case is in the Fifth Circuit. So he sues, and the court dismisses his complaint out of hand because there is no action for male-on-male -male harassment is what they the district court uh -huh. said. So okay. so let's let's get into that. Why is why is that? Well first of all we're in the early 1990s and there's right. <laughs> so there's no clear is this because of sex. There had been a fourth circuit decision that said if you're gonna have male on male harassment you have to prove that the male who is harassing you is a homosexual so that he has this sexual desire, okay? So the Fourth Circuit had that kind of bizarre precedent setting. The Fifth Circuit had just said, no, male-on-male -male harassment is not actionable under Title VII. Right, so, so, so at this point, just, just to set the setting here from a legal side, right, I think at the time, if I recall, this was certainly in one of those areas where each federal circuit has a completely different standard for how they'd handle a claim like this. And it really runs the gamut uh, between, yes, this is a cause of action, uh, to only in certain circumstances would this be a cause of action, to no, this is not a cause of action under any circumstances. So the sounds yeah. like the Fourth Circuit's taking kind of a more middle ground approach, sort of, whereas the Fifth Circuit is just kind of like, no. Nope. Yep. Fifth Circuit is definitely saying no. And and I actually read and read the decision. It's a relatively short decision saying we are bound by this decision that says male on male harassment is not there. Okay. And remember, sex was added to Title VII as a poison pill. So there's very little legislative right. history to determine whether Congress meant this. So there's right. nothing there. So the, he appeals it from the Fifth Circuit decision. And at the hearing, okay, so imagine the judge, the Supreme Court in the 1990s. You've got Rehnquist is the chief justice at the time. 
And yeah. even Rehnquist was upset by this. Uh, quoting an article, during the hearing, early in the proceeding, Chief Justice William H. Rehnquist became unusually blunt, wrote the New York Times. I don't see how we can possibly sustain this ruling, said Rehnquist. Okay? So, I mean, that's like something. That is really something from Bill. I mean, that is really quite something. Okay? So, in March of 1998, we get a unanimous decision from the Supreme Court from perhaps one of my favorite writers of all time, even though I disagree with him remarkably on lots of things, Justice Antonin Scalia. And Scalia now is faced with writing this opinion about this behavior. Separate and apart from the legal analysis, he has to have some kind of factual background. So he starts the decision off with, I'm not going to talk about the facts. I'm just going to assume the facts in the light most favorable to Joe. But for brevity and dignity reasons, I'm not going to go into them. Okay? Which I think is, oh, if the behavior is so bad to save the dignity of the Supreme Court, we're not going to go into them. Okay? So yeah. the decision, a unanimous court says that sexual harassment need not be motivated by a sexual desire. That if the, if human motivation is, it is unwise to presume that as a matter of law, that human beings of one definable group will not discriminate against other members of that group. Because for a long time, you could have racist views. You could be, um, I can discriminate against women. You can discriminate against men. Black people can discriminate Just not against people black different people. different from you. Right, exactly. So the goal is, is, you know, you can't say the same, you can't discriminate if you're members of the same group. You certainly can. So Justice Scalia extends because of sex to include male and male harassment. Okay. So, and, and remembering here, this is just the question of whether you can even state a cause of action here, right? That, mm -hmm. so they're not actually ruling on whether Joe is going to win the case. It's just saying that right. Joe's case can continue. Yeah. From and now, a motion to dismiss. Right. Now, from the bane of my existence is the following language that Justice Scalia gives us, is that the court did not want, does not want to impose a general civility code for the workplace. And any right. defense attorney has quoted that language in right. every brief about harassment, that this is just low-level stuff that doesn't rise to the level of severe and pervasive, and you're not imposing a general civility code on a workplace because you're not a super HR department. Like, all of that language stems from this case. And so he really doesn't want to be saying no locker room talk. But in my opinion, Title VII does exactly that. It says you can't have this harassment in the workplace. and you, the employer, are responsible for making sure that doesn't happen. So it's it's essentially dicta, which means that it's meaningless, but we have all used it in defending our clients. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so very impactful case that wasn't really intended to be. It was supposed to be kind of narrowly mm -hmm. considered. Now, let's let's prognosticate a little bit. If a similar case or facts came before the court today, what do we think would happen? Uh, well, 
that's what makes on-call versus sundowner offshore services such a unique case to talk about right now, because the ultimate holding here could be reversed by the Supreme Court this term. So because the Supreme Court has, is trying to decide if LGBTQ status is in because of sex in Title VII, if it says it's not, does that mean on-call is no longer a precedential case? Because that certainly could be the outcome. Right. That's what we call setting it up and knocking it down. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, you know, I have personal feelings that I hope it, it stays. And I think that because of sex, if I have to look at someone's sex gender status, that that means that would be prohibited by the law. But we don't have enough legislative history to help us. And I don't know how this court's going to hold. It makes me very nervous. Yeah, I honestly, I'm pretty pessimistic about it all and trying to set myself up for, for it to not go well. Mm-hmm. I understand. For Joe, his case was ultimately settled in some confidential terms. We don't know how Joe did, but I can't imagine the cost that Joe's attorneys went through to get to the spot they did. The United States did ultimately support him in the amicus position, uh, but there, you know, that still doesn't get him through all of the motions that he had to go through from the start because the decision itself comes out in 1998 and he quit in 1991. That's a long time. A long time to wait. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, the classics just keep on rolling. Uh, I imagine in our third regular episode, and who knows how many special ones we'll do between between now and then, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. we will cover another classic, classic. case uh, in the employment law realm. All right. So it's that time for stories. Yay! All right. I got a couple of them here today. It's going to be a relatively short episode. That's okay. We were trying <laughs> to make them shorter and failing. So today, I think we will make it. Um, so let me just preface this by saying uh, we need more stories. Send mm -hmm. us your stories to hwepodcast at gmail.com or tweet them at me or DM me or, mm -hmm. or, or Kate me. or whoever. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are both receptive to <laughs> to getting these stories and also that, you know, change the names, change the identities, mm -hmm. uh, anonymous. We understand it can be uh, difficult if you're identified, uh, especially if it's a current employer. Uh, we have no interest in outing anybody mm -hmm. or having it be difficult for anybody. So uh, feel free to anonymize it however you want. What we're really looking for is to get the the, the crux of the story, uh, even if you have to change some of the particulars to keep it more anonymous. All right. right we, don't, we only shame the bad employers in a time of Corona. So. Correct. <laughs> okay. So a uh, listener sends this. There's a couple of stories here. Uh, when I worked at a nursing home, a fight broke out between a dietary aide and a nurse aide in the resident <laughs> dining room. Awesome. Oh, you, you haven't heard so nothing great. yet. You haven't okay. heard nothing yet. When I was talking to the employees, I found out the following. Their nurse aide, we'll call her Mary, was newly hired. The dietary aide, who we'll call Colette, saw Mary through the serving window. They knew each other from before. Woo! 
I'm paraphrasing here and leaving out a lot of profanity, but Colette said to Mary, hey, you better give me my dog back. <laughs> okay. So for some people I know fighting over dogs, it will get to fisticuffs, but okay. Mary replied, it's not your dog. It's my dog. You stole him. <laughs> More words. And then Colette came out of the kitchen where the fight broke out. The history. Mary maintained that she had it on good authority that Colette stole her dog. So Mary went to Colette's house, where she found her dog outside and took him back. Colette maintained that Mary was crazy and the dog was Colette's dog and always had been. Here's where it takes a little bit of a twist. Mary brought in a weight labeled as property of the physical therapy department at the nursing home. She said it was around the dog's neck. She said Colette had been stealing weights and using them in dog fights. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. They both got fired. You can't throw Naturally. down in the dining room. Nope, nope, no throwing down in the dining room. That is a safe... I will support that termination. That is a both good termination. Them. That is a crazy situation. And who knows who the dog belongs to. Talk to. I still don't know. I, I do kind of want to know, but not enough to actually go talk to them. Unrelated. New story. <laughs> My husband's old boss at a major oil company was telling his subordinates about an upcoming benefit trap shoot where they were all expected to attend. Boss, oh, no. We have a oh. company party with guns. Oh, yes. And that's not even... That doesn't even come into play, but, like, already, like, red flags, right? Mm hmm I mean, I love shooting trap. I mean, I do. I, it's very much fun, but, whoa. Okay. Work party? Mm. No. Okay. Boss turns to the one Native American employee in the room and says, I know we're not supposed to arm the red man, but, <gasps> I, but I expect you to be there, too. I can give you a gun to use if you need one. But just so you know, we're not going to be providing any fire water. <gasps> right. Okay, so I know on a different podcast that we attended together that we talked about the difference between circumstantial and direct evidence. <laughs> and while this is probably circumstantial evidence, I'm going to say this is going to be enough. For whatever it happens to be, right? right? I mean, we don't know that there's a an adverse employment action happening here, right. or that they fired anybody, or or anything. But that's Holy. pretty that's pretty direct. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, same boss, different meeting, same subordinates. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar uh, with these, but out in the oil field, there's limited cell service, so a lot of these. Uh, the guys use these cell signal boosters, which stick up out of the bed of their pickups. Boss told him that he was tired of his calls going unanswered, and by golly, they'd better answer when he calls. He told them all that they have to have these boosters. You know, you see them everywhere. They look like a black man's dick sticking out of a truck. <gasps> what are the chances that that man employs a black man? Probably. Well, I was going to say, he's got a Native American man there and doesn't have any shame, so... Um, wow. 
uh, same boss. Actually, it's written same boss. <laughs> Likes to go visit the office where the pretty secretaries work and rub their shoulders. So his defense is that he is an equal opportunity harasser because he harasses everyone. The women, well, the Native Americans, the black people. Oh, my God. Or at, le at least he's making comments towards everyone. Uh, one day, he came in with trays of coffee with the secretary's names on the cups. He gave them each the cup with their name on it, except one. Her cup said, let's fuck. He was married at the time. His wife passed away. Now he's dating his dead wife's mother. <laughs> Usually it goes the other way around, that you date your dead wife. I just read the words on the page. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Uh, there's more, but those are the ones I recall off the top of my head. He's awful, and he still works there. That is crazy. That so, is crazy. That was fantastic. Uh, any story that gets Kate to have reactions like the ones I just saw um, <laughs> uh, is is a good submission. And even the ones that don't are good, but like that was awesome. Uh, that was. That man needs to meet an EEOC investigator. I think he'd have a good time. I I mean, party. <laughs> they should go shoot trap together. Oh, man. Man alive. Uh, that was a great story. Whoever sent that in, yes. thank you so much. Thank you very much to that uh, listener for sending that in. Again, hwepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your stories. We understand it takes a little time to write them down and get them sent to us, but uh, uh, they they make the podcast what it is and again it's just getting started we don't have a big supply so uh while i have enough to carry a few more episodes i don't have much beyond that so yeah. please send that in so mark would you like to hear my favorite hr story oh my god yeah so because we're, we're running pretty short here today so okay yes tell me your favorite story so i am an average height overweight brunette right and i Play pretty fast and loose with rules like I want us to focus on what the right thing is not necessarily exactly how the law goes right so because I look at the law as a floor and who wants to sleep on the floor right right, right. well part of why we get along so well in talking about <laughs> these things because we're both of a similar philosophy yeah so I have one client who is a short petite blonde woman in her mid-50s so we look opposite and we also have complete opposite opposite philosophies about the law. She writes everything to the law because they're very fiscally conservative, conservative in lots of ways. So they write just the law. So we get along really well and I love her being my client, but we are complete opposites in other ways. So she calls me one day in a complete and utter panic. Like, oh, and she's talking really fast. Like it's clearly like she's really upset. I'm like, calm down, it's okay. What can I say? You know. Tell me what's going on. She's like, this guy, oh, you should know, manufacturing floor. Okay. So, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So we're manufacturing close quarters, everybody. This guy just came into my office, says he has a sex addiction. He needs to use a private room three times a day, and he would like to use the nursing mother's room. That's okay? exciting. <laughs> so she's like, what do I do? What do I do? And my response is, well, what would we do in any reasonable accommodation situation? And in this time, if you get a doctor's note, I get to see it, right? <laughs> right? 
because we ask for a doctor's note to make sure that it, we can do the essential functions of the job, et cetera, et cetera. So go ask for a doctor's note. I get to see it. And she's like, whoa, whoa. I said, hold on. It's okay. You're not going to get a doctor's note. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, no, nope, you're not going to get one. So don't worry about it. Just say, we're not going to make that accommodation. He's like, well, what if I do get one? I said, well, if you do get one, you know, we're going to ask what is a reasonable accommodation situation and which is likely to be his car because he still gets three breaks during the day. He can use his car. He doesn't have to use the nursing mother's room, but that's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. I said the hardest Cross thing. Cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Right. The hardest thing you're going to have to do is walk past him every day and not make a face. <laughs> right. Because that is the hardest. Like she's, you know, right. That, looking at him where he has his exit. Now I'm convinced knowing how I know her and that I adore her a great deal that there's a group of people who tried to get together to see if they could face her and they absolutely succeeded. This guy drew the short end of the straw yep. and he is the one who had to go do this and he did, doesn't last long after this point but they totally succeeded in just getting her all flustered. So that is my favorite. That's amazing. And of course, no note ever came back. No, gosh, no. I think I would have framed that note. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, right? like, doctor's note for sex addiction, nursing mother's room, right? <laughs> like, no, no. I'm not sure any doctor would actually write that note. I mean, I'm sure there are some doctors out there that would write that note. Sure. But, you know, they don't get the nursing mother's room for that. So. No, that's got its own use. <laughs> yes. So. That's amazing. I will, uh, I was, we, we were talking about this before. I'm going to try to think of some more stories. I, I've revealed many of mine on the prior mm -hmm. first season of episodes of the podcast, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to think of some, some new ones. Good ones. Uh, awesome. That I haven't shared before on the podcast. All right. Uh, to wrap it up here, uh, we're, we're coming in under 30 today. That's pretty, pretty short for us. Um, but I think that was a good episode. I really, mm -hmm. that was a great case and a good story. So, uh, Kate, uh, why don't you start off with uh, how people can find you? You can find me on the Twitters at K8BISCHHRLaw or LinkedIn, or because we're in the time of COVID, I'm putting a lot of stuff on my website to help small businesses make it through. So that's thrivelawconsulting.com. How about you? Well, first, uh, podcast, you can email us your stories or questions yes. or comments or discussion items. That was my, my eighth grade teacher always said, questions, comments, concerns, and or discussion items. And it's always <laughs> been something that's just stuck with me ever since. Mr. DeSabado uh, used to say that. So uh, anything, send to hwepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at saladpants. The podcast is on Twitter at HWE Podcast. You may note that they tweet the same things around the same time often. <laughs> that is not a coincidence. I can be found, uh, as I said on the last episode, who knows where it's going to be uh, by the time this airs, but alifanslaw.com. Uh, and we're going to be working here shortly on a website for the podcast as well. So we'll be able to put all of our content, videos, audio up on there and have more information about uh, how you can reach us, sponsorships, you know, all that sort of stuff to help us keep going. Um, and I think that's it. 
So yeah. everybody, sorry, go ahead. I was going to just say, everybody needs to be out there, stay safe. Yes. Send us your stories and wash your hands, please. Yes. Uh, wash your hands multiple times a day. Get your masks <laughs> if you can, but not before the medical providers. And uh, right. uh, hopefully we start seeing that curve start to flatten soon. Yes. We can right. do it. Peace out, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.